to Frequent Flyer. Here it is, Friday, March 24, 2023 here, and uh, the end is in sight. Finally, this goddamn season can come to an end. What, have we got three weeks or something like that? Yeesh. One, two, yeah, three weeks from yesterday. The 13th of April is going to be the uh, last game, and the Flyers are heating up down the stretch, killing their draft positioning and instilling all kinds of false hope. That I'm sure we shall talk about as we uh, continue on here. But something we were talking about kind of before uh, before we got on was was there's a renewed feeling of hope now that Fletcher's gone. I believe this is the second episode we've recorded since he uh, was fired, and there's actually uh, a feeling of hope going into the off season instead of you know Chuck Fletcher just uh, killing all the momentum before it even starts. So we'll get into all kinds of Flyers topics here. Uh, but uh, first, I'll introduce my co-hosts for the evening. My, uh, Mike Aceto is back, if I can say his name right. Mike! How you doing? Good evening, gentlemen. Great to be with you, as always. Um, yeah, we are getting close to the end of this wretched season. Um, you know, I don't know how productive it's been. You know, there's a couple positives, which we'll discuss as we draw to a close here. But at the end of the day, I don't know how productive this was for these players. Um, I'm glad John Tortorella is happy that he's squeezing what he can out of this group. But um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm not sure where we stand, but if there's change at the top of the organization, that's the most important thing. So we'll get into that as well. And Manny Benavides is back as always. Manny, what's going on? Boys, salutations and greetings. Yes, the season is coming to a close. Yes, there is renewed optimism now that Chuck Fletcher is gone. You know, Chuck Fletcher, when he was here, he killed a lot of hope, and he killed many a boner over on this side of the uh, of the 49th parallel uh, up here in Canada. But <laughs> anyways, it is what it is. Um, whether or not the season is, is a success or not, I see people throwing around letter grades for players, and... Um, Maybe I'm a hard grader, but uh, sorry, I don't give anybody uh, other than Travis Konechny in A grade on a team that is fucking eighth last in the National Hockey League. That's just me. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about positivity here in a minute, but th- that's an interesting point. Is like I wrote a piece the other day about the pro tank crowd versus the anti tank crowd, and, and the different like. The the people that try and pull positivity are like, well, they're playing hard, which is true. Like, they've been playing with energy for most of the season. There was a stretch there where they weren't, but for the most part, like, they have overperformed given what their original bar was. But, like, when you sit there and jerk off to that kind of thing, like, yeah, it's the effort. I'm like, this is still a team that's going to finish bottom 10. Maybe sixth, maybe fifth, maybe seventh or eighth. Like all that effort, all this hard work and effort that they're pulling off, and they're still a bottom fucking ten team. What is that? Why is so sexy about that? I don't understand. But you know, there have been some positives. 
something that uh, you know Stockholm syndrome a bit is uh, was the term thrown around in our group chat there with Tyson Forrester coming up six points in seven games. Oh, and Tippett has looked good. He's really turning it on. Thirty nine points in sixty six games. The youth is coming around. They look good. I mean, Forrester really represents kind of the next step of the next wave of guys that are going to come up, being Dan Oye and Bobby Brink and things like that. You know, the guys that are uh, being highlighted with the Phantoms right now, which is good to see. But, you know, it is funny after a seven-game sample size, he's a sniper. He's a goal scorer. He's the fucking... It's like, it is just like the Ron Hextall era all over again. Like, nothing ever changed. We are right back where we started from 10 years ago. You know, I got the same feeling, Dan. I had some tweets recently that got a ton of traction on this exact topic, and we can get into the language of those in a couple of minutes here. But I think you're right, and the thing that came to my mind here is like, look, if we rewind, you know, back to that Hextall era, and we rewind to the Drew, Voracek, Couturier, Simmons, Shen, you know, era when those guys were ostensibly in their primes, and the decision was made by management to move forward with them. And we're going to try to win with these guys. I mean, I don't think I'm on an island here, but I would say that that the ceiling of that group is way higher than the ceiling of the group that we're watching right Significantly, now. Significantly, yes. Yeah, we're seeing some decent players now take a couple of steps forward. Coalesce is a team. They're doing some good things on the ice at the end of a season during meaningless games, essentially meaningless games. And... You know, this is exactly a parallels to what we saw back then and people latching onto that. Oh, yeah, you know, this is the group we're going to win with. No, like we knew back then that their ceiling was not high enough. It was a bubble playoff, first round playoff team. Everybody knew that. So now the standard is 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 back a couple of steps and say, oh, well, we've got players that are one or two notches lower than them, but at least they're competitive. You know, like it's the same BS and yeah, you know, it's Stockholm syndrome, you know, like you've been trained to enjoy this and that's what you want to see over and over again. And I think a lot of people are falling back into the trap of seeing this little glimmer of hope, this little nugget and saying, oh, yeah, that's the thing. Th- th- this is our catharsis right here. This is the building block that's going to take us to the future. And I don't see it again. There are a couple of positives, which we'll get into. But when you look at this thing overall, I really don't think you can put a ton of stock into the last, you know, couple weeks of this particular season, Manny. No, and it's and it's difficult to to gauge it that way. Like, I've seen people on Twitter rightfully point out that you know what, there isn't that much on the line. The series, the season is done. Like, it's literally it's young players that say, "Hey, we want to be on this team next year." That's it. That's what they're playing for. And I know Tortorella's a, a great motivator and whatnot, but again, this is a team that for all intents and purposes isn't really playing meaningful hockey the last couple of weeks. And it's good that the young players are are scoring and getting results and playing well. It is good. I do think that people need to temper their expectations when talking about Owen Tippett and Tyson Forrester and others, Noah Cates, uh, Morgan Frost, They've all taken steps and it's good and it's positive. But the realistic expectation here is that the vast majority of this team is going to be back next year. And there might be a player, maybe two that get moved. The subtraction, as John Tortorella put it, 
How many more goals do you expect Owen Tippett to score next year? Like, I have a hard time imagining that he's going to score significantly more than the 21 that he's got right now. Is it 25? You know, would you be happy with that? I would be. I think he's had a great year. And I was higher on him than most people when he was acquired. Everybody was crapping all over him when they got him Mm -hmm. in the Drew trade. Now, how much more do you want him to do? You know, when Atkinson comes back, when Couturier comes back, these are all guys that are going to be eating into ice time. Yep. How many more goals is Owen Tippett going to get? You know, how many more goals is Tyson Forrester going to get? I mean, it's great, but I think you have to remember that we have to surround these players with younger, youngish players that are kind of going to match up with that timeline that everybody's been talking about. And the best way to do that is to get a top five guy in this draft. That's who I want to see Owen Tippett playing with. That's who I want to see, um, you know, all these other players playing with. I want to see them growing together. I don't think there's going to be that much growth with a Sean Couturier or Cam Atkinson. The reality of that is, is, these are not bad players in a bubble, right? In a vacuum, in their own right. world of Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost and players like that. But the reality is their ceiling as individuals, as a collective unit as they are now, is relatively low, right? They're, they're yes. never going to break out by themselves. This is about as good as you're going to get for Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost and these guys where they are today. You either need to bring in talent for them to play with, or you bring in talent, they go down the lineup a little bit, they fall into the bottom nine, you can make this. like It's just, I, I get it. They're playing well. This season overall has been better than the last two years, which is probably where, you know, the, the as Mike was alluding to, the brief, you know, little diamond that, they're, that they get to pick on. <laughs> it's happy, you know. Just one little fucking positive to draw off of, right, is that they're slightly better than they are this year. But it, it is funny, and this is kind of where the offseason diverges and what does a rebuild even fucking entail when you have a roster eight of your 13 forwards right now are younger than 25 you know it's not like you're tearing down these are guys that mm-hmm. the Forsters and Tippets and maybe even Morgan Frost bring like these are all guys that can be building blocks for the immediate future sitting here installing for another two or three years to sit in their own shitty diaper that they're currently in all you're doing is hurting the growth and momentum of players like Tippett and Forrester. Like, you're limiting them. I, 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 it would have been great to have a player like Gaudreau here for this very reason. And Now, granted, the 2023 free agent pool has pretty much been sucked dry, at least of the most of the notable talents, since Larkin and Pasternak are off. You know, like Tarasenko and Kane at this point are your top two guys, and Flyers don't need fucking aging right wings on this team. You got Cam Atkins coming back for that very reason. But, yeah, it's just... You, I, 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 oh, I hate the re, I hate the word rebuild. I hate the idea of a rebuild right now because it feels like you're stalling at a really weird time. For the first mm-hmm. time in the last ten years, it feels like there's a little bit of momentum finally going in the way of the Flyers here. Yeah, it may take a little while. You know, when Brink and Denoyer make the jump and Lexell make the jump, there's going to be growing pains. Forrester's going to have growing pains, yep. but 
you finally feel like we're going in the right direction here, and one or two notable outside additions, especially at center, could really, really yeah. help this team right now. So taking a step back doesn't really make a lot of sense in my mind. Well, this is the thing, is like, and people need to ask themselves this, is like, okay, if you think that the last couple of weeks here are representative of what the future holds for this team, are you good with first liners like Owen Tippett, um, a Tyson Forrester, maybe a Morgan Frost, maybe a Joel Farabee, um, maybe a Scott Lawton in the top six, you know, something like that. Are you good moving forward with those guys leading your team and then maybe, maybe getting lucky enough to pepper in a free agent? I don't know. I mean, if they can, that'd be great. I don't think that they can. And that's my problem with it is that they never... And what I was trying to get to on Twitter the other day was that I don't think they reset enough. You know, they have some good players here that are building blocks that have potential that I would love to keep. But like, you know, if you had all these guys in place and then you add, you know, like a Connor Bedard or like a Mitch Koff in two years or somebody of of that caliber to insert on a first line. And maybe you get two of those guys, whether it's a, a Gautier, although I'm not sure if he's going to be that guy, but some players that can elevate in that level. And then you bleed down off of that with your tippets and your Farabees and so on and so forth. Maybe in that situation, you have something, but I just don't know if you can hit your wagon to these guys and say, yes, we have all of our foundation already set and we can build down from a guy like Owen Tippett. I just think that it, it's, they put the cart before the horse. They're like one or two steps before where they should be here. And, um, you know, people want to just get on that bandwagon and just keep going with them. And I'm just highly skeptical that there's enough talent with the current guys on this team that you can build off of. The timeline still doesn't feel like it matches up. Mm -hmm. It still feels yep. off. Just off. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. See, and my worry is that everybody online talks a big game. But I don't think that they have the follow through. And this is the reason why people were saying not to use the rebuild word because Flyers fans can't handle a rebuild. And this is why I, I don't think that the organization is in the wrong here at all um, with what they're thinking and with what they want to do. I think that as much as people say, oh, it's not about the playoffs and the. I think that there is a significant portion of this fan base that the last couple of games and weeks and the rest of the season is going to fool them into thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to compete for a wild card next year. And Absolutely I'm sorry, correct. Yeah. that is that is not going to happen. It's not. It just isn't. And if you really want to think about what's best for Owen Tippett and for Noah Cates and for all the players that have taken strides this year and Morgan Frost, the absolute best thing for them, we've they've already improved. We've already seen the improvement. The W's now in the last three, four weeks of the season here are not indicative of progress. In fact, it's the opposite. You want one of those top five or six guys to come in here and you're going to add. And then when Cutter Gauthier is ready, you're going to add. And that is how you are going to build this team. It's not going to get built with a seventh or eighth overall pick this year. It's not. Mm -hmm. 
it's going to be a good player. Don't get me wrong. But is it that top line guy that you need? Maybe. Maybe not. You know which one's a much more of a guarantee? Is one of those top five guys. That's yep. more of a guarantee. It's not 100%, but it's pretty damn close. It's in the 90s, people. Like, that's the thing is the best thing for a guy like Tippett is to inject a real number one seed yes. yep. into this mm-hmm. thing. And then, you know what? You'll see what you really got. You'll really be able to judge what you got in Owen Tippett or what you got in Travis Konechny or, or whoever it is that you want to you wanna put in that position. That's when you'll really be able to judge. Right now, it's a lot of, you know, funhouse mirrors. They look good, but you don't know, and you're not sure, and it's only been a few games, and it's a sample size thing, and we don't know because Coots isn't here, and we don't know because Atkins is not here, and we don't know what the powerful is going to look like. We don't know. It's not real yet. It's not real yet. And the playoffs, again, you look at the division. Devils are going nowhere. Rangers are going nowhere. The Canes are going nowhere. That's the top three spots right there. Yep. So what do you got left? Wild cards. Are the Islanders going to disappear? Pittsburgh, okay, they suck, but they're still better than the Flyers. You got Detroit right. and Buffalo building up in the Atlantic for the wild cards. Like, there's a lot. Florida's always hanging around in that, you know, kind of middle of the road thing. And it's just, it's not uh, wanting the Flyers to lose does not, uh, that's not a negative. Wanting them to tank, quote unquote, is not a negative. I don't. I don't wish them to play poorly. They're playing very well, but I want them to lose because snagging fucking Bedard or one of these guys is what is best for the future of the fucking franchise. Sitting here for moral victories over the last few games. Well, they played hard. I don't give a fuck. I don't fucking care that they played hard. It doesn't matter if they're gonna draft fucking Joe Rock and Roll eighth overall. It'll never be a major contributor to the fucking franchise. Like, yeah. I get it, but Dard's probably not going to happen. Like, I really do wish that, you know, the, the, the hockey gods, as John Tortorella alluded to them today, you know, smile favorably about this franchise. But, like, killing your own odds at this late in the season, when they could have reasonably well, well, finished fifth, I just, yeah. it fucking sucks. It sucks for and the future. The, and one of the things that I think is totally off base when, when people are talking about this type of dynamic here is that there is this um, supposed value in oh well we're building this this culture for you know for years to come like there is no way that in the last month of this season that this is setting a foundation that it carries for, over any further than this for carryover yeah. there's no way yep. carryover i mean maybe a little bit but look there's going to be turnover on the roster they're not going to play for another 6 months there's going to be an entire off season where every team around them is going to be getting better as well. So like this, this small little fraction of time here is not going to be dispositive or indicative of what is going to happen in the future. Maybe it does set, you know, a, 
a reasonable groundwork for, you know, how they interact with each other and so on and so forth. But it's not going to be this major thing where there's this huge value on what they did. And they can look back and say, oh, in in March of 23, look at what we <laughs> did. When everything and, changed. Know, yeah. yeah, that's when everything <laughs> changed and we can take it. And no, like they're off for six fucking months. Yep. You know, like there's no there's virtually no carryover that happens into the following season. That is such a farce and false statement and false way of looking at this stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so desperate. It's ungodly desperate as to why people think that there is a huge amount of value on it. Is there some value? Maybe I could get on board with that, but it's not enough to say, Oh, well, you know what? You know, uh, hold the presses. You know, we got to talk about this. This is the headline leading into next season. Like, that's not it. And there's so many people that are interested in believing that, that it's just very strange to me. It's like, we've been through this before. And and then others will say, oh, well, well, this time it's different because it's not the veterans that are doing it. It's the younger players. It's like, well, it's it doesn't really matter at the it's end. Same the thing day. at the end of the day. Huh. You know, like, who who really cares you know, like these guys are not establishing much of anything. Maybe it's a decent culture, but the carryover will be very, very little going into the following seasons. The thing that I want to point out is if, if people will say, oh, it's negative. You want them to lose. It's negative. It's not negative. I'd rather that this team loses out the last 15, you know, 16 games of the season. I'm talking about from a couple of weeks ago. I know yeah. it's less than that now. And guarantees a top five spot. I'd rather go through the, the short-term pain right now and end the season and have a nice summer and an off-season and then know that going forward, the, the, quote, rebuild or the path back to, you know, playoff contention is, you know, two years shorter. That's the way that I look at it. I'd rather suffer 15, 20 games now and have these dummies lose out the rest of the season, then have to go through this again next year. Yeah. And the year after. And maybe the year after that. Because I'm telling you, Flyers people on Twitter, they're not going to be too happy about it if that happens. Oh, yeah, I wonder how long... If this if next season is essentially identical to this year, i got to wonder how long the moral victories hold out. Oh, well, they won, but they're still fucking seventh worst in the league. Like, how long can that last? You know, I, I get it. You know, this season was far superior to the last two. They they did work hard for most of the year. But, you know, that was fun for a few games in October. You know, like, great, they came out of the gate swinging. Woohoo! You know, them giving effort in a fucking middle of March now, when the season's lost, who gives a fuck? Who could possibly care? Why, why Why? is this the hill people are choosing to die on? There's nothing wrong with fucking losing out in a few games. I know Tortorella went off on a rant today about, oh, they're pro athletes, they're not tanking. Fuck, man, this organization is stuck in the murky middle, the lower end of the murky middle, and they have been for so fucking long now. There's nothing wrong with throwing a few games here at the end to fucking help yourself out in the future. That's all that's going to do. Getting a higher draft pick, especially this year, all it's going to do is help. You know? <sighs> yeah, and, like, one of the things with Torts, too, is, like, well, I guess two main things with him. One is is that I don't expect 
the coach or the players to participate in any sort of concerted uh, effort to not to lose, but to tank or to, you know, to position themselves in a manner that they may not be winning games during a certain segment of the season. That's not their job. That's management's jobs to put the right people in the right places to do that on a short term basis. So, you know, when, you know, when some of the reporters are asking John Tortorella, oh, you know, what do you say about people want you to take? That's not even in his wheelhouse because the coach and the players should be all systems go all the time. I agree with that. It's a management thing. Um, at the same time, and as much as I like John Tortorella, and I think he is a very good coach and I do like his style a lot. At the same time, it's like, look, Tor, it's like you've been coaching this league for a long time. You really only had success with the Tampa Bay Lightning on a win 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Which was multiple decades ago. You had a modicum of success with the New York Rangers in the playoffs. Never got too, too far, but a little bit of success. And you were completely irrelevant with the Columbus blue jackets. I mean, if you're trying to make this team like the blue jackets, that's a fucking failure. I mean, they did absolutely nothing. You know, like when you look at the resume there, they played hard. They weren't an embarrassment, so to speak, but their claim to fame was sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round one year out of his nine years there or something. It's like, look, dude, like that style of play and whatever you were doing there, it got you virtually nowhere. OK, so if you want to look at all the results and, you know, all this wisdom and all that shit, like that's the last thing that you did. And that was fucking pathetic. You know, like that didn't go anywhere again. I like Tortorella's style. I like his messaging for the most part. But at the same time, you know, when you're looking at where he's taken teams and kind of, you know, how he steered the ship in certain areas, like his last his last spot was was a fucking joke. You know, that team was stuck in the goddamn mud for the better part of a decade with him at the helm. And that's the reality. You know, the results speak for themselves. So there is, you know, a yin and a yang to the John Tortorella experience here, which I think people need to recognize. There was a quote that Tortorella had, I think it was last weekend. It's a long fucking thing here, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he was talking about the penalty kill and talking about, you know, well, we need more Nick Deloriers than Oda Kilpenny. He specifically mentioned Delorier and specifically mentioned not Johnny Gaudreau's, you know, and, and I just, I hear shit like that, and it's probably not literal, right? He doesn't want a team of 23 Nick Deloriers out there, I'm sure. But... Building a team like that, of the the hard-working, very low-ceiling kind of guys, very much feels like Columbus, right? You're, you're, you're building a team that's going to work hard. They, they may have a little bit of success. It may lead, elevate them slightly, but they're not true contenders. They're never going to be good enough because you're missing that high-end talent. And this is where, you know, where does Tortorella you know, control going into the offseason. How much does he going to have a say here? Because if he starts building a team that kind of tops out right around where the Blue Jackets did, fuck, man, like, what a goddamn Bingo, waste of time. Bingo. You know, I, 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 I can appreciate a solid defensive structure, but those teams by themselves very rarely win, with the exception of the fucking LA Kings 10 years ago. You know, those teams don't have a ton of success when it comes to the playoff stretch because you need fucking star power. And if this coach is allergic to star power and we're going to ride the hot hand of, well, Owen Tippett can be a good second-line player on a really good team, then what the fuck are we doing here? You know, it's those kind of quotes that... You know, I get it. It's not literal. You know, he probably... I understand the point that he's trying to make, but when you start kind of hinting in that direction of, well, we got to build a structure and we got to get more players that are, you know, low-ceiling good guys, like, fuck, 
I just, I don't want that because of what he did in Columbus, where it feels like that is kind of the direction his quotes seem to be leaning again, and that is just not the ceiling that I want this team to top out at this time around. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with what both of you are saying. I mean, it's a disappointment if this team ends up being a, a Blue Jackets clone. Like, it, it can't be. And that's the whole thing, is there's supposed to be a realization and understanding Though the entire year, everybody's been saying, including John Tortorella, we need talent. We need top end talent. And I'm sorry. I love the fact that, you know, players are playing hard. It's great. I love the fact that there's a bit of an attitude shift in this locker room. That's great. I love the fact that, uh, you know, the younger players are taking strides. That's great. But the bottom line is, is where are we going to get this talent from? And drafting at number eight, is not going mm. to help. I mean, it, it helps, but not to the degree that you need it yeah. to help. And that's where I think the problem lies because you don't just need one top end guy. And we're all under the assumption that Cutter Goche is going to be a top end guy. I hope that's the case. We need him to be because if he's not, we're in big trouble. And that's the thing is you need Cutter Goche to hit. You need whoever it is that we draft this year to hit. And you got to try to get one other guy, you know, by hook or by crook, some way, somehow, whether it's via trade, whether it's, you know, something. You've got to find a way to do it. I think that they can draft two of them, but I think you need one more just in case it doesn't work out. And the higher that you can get in this year's draft, the less pressure it is on the organization to go out and get that third guy. Because if you can get a Fantilli or a Carlson even, you can sit there and go, okay, as long as Cutter Goche hits, we'll be fine. We'll be able to make it work. Somebody in that stacked right wing will be able to jump in on that top line and be pretty productive. They'll be the third wheel on that line, but that line will work because they got Gochi on the left wing. They got, you know, whoever it is at center, you know, let's say it's Leo Carlson. That'll work and that can work. And especially with the work ethic and the attitude and, and the, you know, the lunch pail, you know, gang that we're making here, that can work. But until you add that high-end talent, until you know what you're getting in this year's draft, it might not work. You got to get the highest number possible. Sorry, the lowest number possible in this year's draft. Next year's great. We get two first-rounders. But it's a shit draft, certainly compared to this one. And you don't know where they're going to draft next year. And the Florida pick is top 10 protected anyway, so... No, thank thank Chuckles for that one. <laughs> that worked out. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You're very right, Manny. And and Elliot Friedman's been saying this too on his show with Merrick all year. They've been saying whenever they talk about the Flyers, the first thing that they say is their best medicine is to get an extremely high high draft pick in the twenty three draft. They've said it since last summer, essentially. Um and you know, the more that this team does to push themselves down into that seven, eight, nine range, you know, it just becomes even harder and harder. 
and unfortunately, you know, that's the direction that they want to take. Um, you know, that's management steered this to happen. You know, this didn't happen over the past couple of weeks, much as, you know, I'd like to see them lose a couple games here and there as we're, as we're nearing the end of the season. This is, this is a course that management set this team on when they hired John Tortorella last summer. This, this conclusion was going to happen because you knew Torts was going to squeeze an extra couple positions of draft spots out of whatever group that he had. So again, I don't blame the coach and the players specifically for it. They can't control it. They're only supposed to play as hard as they can. But at the same time, you know, this is something that management set up and you know, this is going to happen no matter what, I think. And it seems worth noting that uh, Friedman reported just a couple hours ago before we got on here that Gautier is more than likely going back to Boston College next year. Um, so he will not even be be in play. And he's will probably be an NHL player in time, but at this point is kind of that wild card of how good is he going to be, right? And the further away you draft in this year, if you end up at 8, 9, 10th overall, now all of a sudden you got a second wild card in this group of, hey, we really need this guy to pan out, but he may or may not make it, right? It's just like, uh, you just you have a whole pipeline already of guys that are probably NHLers, but may or may not be worthwhile. Bobby Brink, Elliot Friedman, Tyson Forrester, Wade Allison, you know, some of these guys that are here now are probably NHLers. Ollie Lexell is another one that within the next year or two are going to be in the NHL, but I don't particularly think they're going to be top guys. They're going to be stars. I'm even questioning about Forrester in the long haul. But you're going to have a roster full of talent, very young talent, but none of it is going to be rising above the rest. And, like, you don't have that here. Even Travis Konechny's not that fucking guy. Travis Konechny's a 50-point winger. That's it. You know, one good season does not erase eight years of shit. You know, I, 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 I don't, I don't even know <laughs> where you go about here. The free agent pool is shit this year. Not that they would fucking bring in any talent from yeah. the outside anyway. We know this goddamn franchise. But like, fuck, man. Sooner or later, you're gonna have to take a fall, whether it's through the draft or you're gonna have to pay out through the ass to get the talent in the free agent market or via trade or something and secure that fucking talent and. This is this was the year. This was the year to tank, to to lose, to whatever it is that your specific term is that doesn't hurt your fucking feelings, to try and snag Bedard or Fantilli or one of these fucking top end guys that could legitimately change the direction of this franchise. And I guess it's not impossible. We still have a lottery to figure out, which isn't until the fucking middle of May this year. Oh god. But like yeah. You know, the odds are shit. I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but it's like eight or what, six, seven, eight percent there for some picks in that race. Just like, it's not enough, man. Not enough. The the thing that drives me bonkers, and just listening to Dan, you describe it, is the fans, like, we're, we're segmented. We, we unified to, you know, in our, you know, fire Chuck Fletcher kind of message, and that was great. And then it immediately turns into, well, I believe Danny Breer is going to be awesome. Well, I don't <laughs> think Danny Breer has enough. And then we, we splinter off again. And then when it comes to something that should be, it should be universally accepted. Having a top five pick would be amazing for the Flyers. 
That should be 100% agreement across the board. But then you've got a, a segment of fans which just digs in and listen, I'm an older fan too. So I can call older fans out for this because it is mainly them. Okay. For the most part. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those, even yep. though I am an older fan is instead of saying, you know what? You're right. A, a fifth overall pick, fourth overall pick, third overall. That would be awesome for the flyers. The young guys have done great this year, but we want the best guy possible. Instead. It's, no, we need to grow what we have. We need to see what we have. No, we need to establish this culture and do this and do that. No, you're missing out. What what fans are saying is the fans that want a top three, four, five pick, they're saying we want to get back on board this bandwagon. We want to support this team. This is what we want, though. If you can give us that, You've got us for the next five years, 100%. Mm. But these other fans are like, no, no. We need to see them working hard and miss the playoffs. <laughs> they won't give an no. inch. No, they're not giving anything. They're, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like, rather than saying, you know what? I'd love to see them get a top five pick, too. Nope. I want to see. I, yeah, I see want the work ethic to be there, guys. despite the fact that they're a bottom 10 team. <laughs> it's almost I want, okay. I want to see the work ethic there, even though I know I don't think they're going to make the playoffs in the next three years. But then it's why? almost That's as if like, like they say, like, it's not worth losing the last 12 games of the season. Like there is some intrinsic value on that. Oh, oh we have to win the way we have to play. And then also it's like, look, like, the Flyers magically are playing at, at some fucking like 700 fucking clip right now. Like, you think that's who this team is? <laughs> oh, oh, this is this is exactly what we want to see. You know, yeah, they're going to play 700 hockey for the next five straight years. This is exactly who they are. Fucking right. You know, like there's I mean, another comment on this, too. There is no freaking pressure on this team. And fucking blowhard Bill fucking Meltzer comes back as a fucking troll, which that guy is for the Flyers, comes back as like, zero pressure? Have you seen John Tortorella? It's like, dude, there's no pressure on this team to win anything. They go out there and they do what the coach says. That's all they have to do. Win or lose, whatever happens, happens. This team is in a non-compete, non-playoff we don't care. Let's just go out there and wing it sort of mode. That is a completely different mentality from teams that are actually in this and posturing for the playoffs in every sport. That's the mentality. You cannot tell me that this team is in the same type of pressure mode that teams are that are trying to position themselves for the playoffs. It's a totally, totally different sport, different mentality. Can I ask a question? I did yes, not please. hear, I did not hear this round table podcast that they had before the season but i know that uh, a certain retiree was on there who um just announced his retirement today and i've been taught i was taught by my mama that if you shouldn't didn't want to say anything good you probably shouldn't say anything at all so i'll leave it at that but there was a round table of uh podcasters and they gave their opinions on what the Flyers were going to be like this season. And something tells me that a lot of these people said that the Flyers were going to be real good. 
and a lot better than people thought. I remember it being in a fucking geriatric circle jerk, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. that was it was brutal. And so I, I'm not going to take, uh, you know, predictions from people that are on the payroll of the franchise and, and telling fans what they're supposed to hear and what they want to hear. Be honest. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. And if you want to do that, by all means, you can have your opinions and that's fine. But I'm not going to sit here and, and acknowledge that, uh, you know, making excuses and and various reasons for things and beliefs for things there is a bit of a conflict of interest there when you're when you're cashing checks that are signed by comcast there just is oh yeah yeah it, it, it's absolutely out of control you know and you look at some of these you know some of these talking heads for the team like I think everybody can agree that the last basically decade of this franchise was the worst decade in franchise history. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Yet, we have some of these talking heads that have tried to put lipstick on this pig like you've never seen before over the past eight or nine years. They've never done anything wrong. Bad luck, excuse after excuse, year after year. You know, these people should be held accountable for the bullshit that they've tried to shove down the fans' throats during this time. Like, they were wrong. And I'm not going to name all the names, but you know who they are. I know who they are. They were all freaking wrong the past couple of years. Own up to the bullshit they're trying to shove down people's throats for all this time because you were fucking wrong. And everybody else that was critical of this team and could see through the BS was right. And that's one thing that I wanted to get on the record here because it's sickening to see them continue to spin this hamster wheel. Oh, you know what? Everything's great. They're on the right track. Everything's perfect on here. It's like, no, you know what? This thing blew up for a reason. The front office is an extreme amount of turmoil right now. And to try to select this and cherry pick these little dumb nuggets as if everything's perfect is completely out of line and something they've been doing for the past eight to 10 years. And you know what? They were absolutely out of line, and, you know, I don't trust what they have to say anymore. Man, rarely do we go off on a rant like that when I'm not the one spearheading it. So, <laughs> but, uh... It's just too obvious now. And, and, you know, Manny, when you brought up that roundtable stuff, I think I think that was a great, you know, that resonated with me is because it's just it's the constant spewing of this, of this junk. And, you know, the organization came out, and they had a came-to-Jesus moment here in front of the public. Firing Chuck Fletcher, Dave Scott, apparently going over the heads of of the advisors here. You know, the front office and ownership is having it come to Jesus. We don't need the talking heads to tell us that everything's hunky dory. It's not. We know it's not. So stop it, you know, at this point and level with everybody else. And let's all get on the same page and figure out how this thing's going to actually get built. And I think that's something that, you know, when we're seeing a lot of this, oh, you know, this is the nugget that they're going to build on all this stuff. It's just people are jumping to conclusions on it again, and it's just starting the same bullshit over and over again. See, and to be fair, I didn't hear that roundtable, but I saw snippets, and the, the one that I was referring to was Steve Coates, oh, yeah. who, who really was blowing smoke about how the Flyers were going to be so much better than everybody he's giving them credit for, and they're really going to be fighting for a playoff spot and all this. And again, it's a guy that works for the team. It's a guy that, listen, he I used to really like him. 
and he is what he is as a color commentary uh, guy on the radio and whatnot. And he's there to provide humor and information. He's there to make it entertaining. And he, he has done so for many years. But for me, that town hall and when him yelling at fans to keep it classy and basically to stop booing Chuck Fletcher, I thought that that was just, I know what he was trying to do. But it came off as I'm the corporate bodyguard for the general manager. And I'm going to use, you know, my lovability and my humor and the way that people look at me. And I'm going to deflect these arrows and slings from a GM who, quite frankly, didn't deserve defending. And he was fired days later. You know, that that is where I... I lost a bit of, uh, you know, the luster for, for Steve Coates. Definitely still... left a uh, bad taste on the way out when that's yeah. going to be the lasting kind of memory of him on that one. Yeah. So well put, Manny. Yeah. It's extremely well put. Yeah. I, I'll put it through this way. The, the, the article that I wrote for for Brotherly Puck with, uh, you know, the, the French Revolution thing, I had to rewrite the Steve Coates part of that article because I read it back before I pressed submit and I went... I was pretty harsh. I call <laughs> I called him some some things and I said I'm I'm going to walk that one back before I hit send. I'm going to be I'm going to be responsible here and I'm going to I'm going to hit delete and I'm going to rewrite this. <laughs> and I did. I'll tell you guys off cam, off the pod what what I wrote. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very you know, it feels it's so Hextoolian. It's like we're right back in 2014. The only difference is that team had a lot more fucking talent than this one, but it's it's the same fuck. We're starting all over again. Here's Danny Breer coming in and talking about a rebuild without any actual clue as to what that means or what the timeline is or what his plan is or what's going on. And it's going to buy him some time because he's Danny Breer. And for some reason, people think he's going to be a good GM, even though he's got absolutely no fucking experience in the role. It's just, hey, we're going to sit here. We're going to piss away a few more years under the guise of a rebuild. We may or may not do things. And, you know, if somehow luck breaks in their favor and, and something falls into their lap, whether it be a draft pick or a player or something along the lines, great. But otherwise, man, it just does not fucking feel... I still don't feel good. Fletcher's gone. There's a lot less tension directly around the organization because he's not here since he got fired. But there's still a lack of of palpable positivity, a lack of palpable direction you know, in kind of what comes next. And with the shitty free agent market, I can't imagine this team, you know, they may move some pieces. We'll talk about this one here in in our future recordings, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what actually happens this summer. You know, I think DeMarco has been writing stuff, keeping tabs on the front office that seems to suggest that there may not be quite as much overhaul as everyone kind of hopes. And it's just like, we really are on the precipice of a really crucial off season where things should be changing tenfold, but it just at the same time, even though Chuck Fletcher's not directly here, you got to wonder how much damage is really done to this organization and how much opportunity, given the flat cap and their lack of you know talent and kind of where they're at in the roster, how much can they actually do right now from a roster perspective to make this happen? Especially if they don't land a fucking top pick, then what do you do? You know, it's just. It's such a weird aspect of of the off season and, and what kind of what comes next for this franchise and 
there doesn't appear to be any real solid or firm answers to that right now. And it's stuff that we're just going to kind of have to wait and see here and, you know, take the punches as they come over the next three, four months. And that's a good point, Dan. And that's another dynamic here that's at play is in terms of why I can't really get on board with this small nugget at the end of the year here is because unless there's a front office in place that's going to figure out how to steer the ship, you know, I can't really say, oh, well, you know what, the the players have already figured it out themselves and they know what they're doing. We don't need it. You know, we don't need a president in here, GM, yeah. who cares who it is like that's not the case you know like they they need a front office in here that can figure out how to actually tear whatever they need to tear down and insert whatever they need to insert into this yep. and it's a complex process that the players themselves can't do the coach can't do it either i don't even think danny briere can do it it's going to take a concerted and cohesive front office and ownership group to figure out how they're going to proceed on it. And quite frankly, until they actually figure that part out, I have a hard time putting any stock in what the hell's going on on the ice. You know, it's going to take that front office to coalesce and communicate with the fans and communicate with people before I can figure out and say, okay, yes, you know what, this makes sense. That doesn't, um, and get on board in that fashion. You know what? I think you're totally right, Dan. I think this offseason is going to tell us a lot. Um, if you recall, when Fletcher was fired, the general consensus was good, good riddance, but that's the first step. And there are more steps to be taken. And, the, you know, judging the temperature and taking the temperature uh, the last couple of weeks since that's happened, things have cooled down quite a bit. There isn't that much anger and outrage, and it almost feels like even if the Flyers do nothing else, they're happy with that. And I'm a little worried about that because I think that that sets a real bad tone and uh, precedent. And it, it's almost as if this organization only moves when feet are in the fire, when there's literally a giant tsunami of pushback by this fan base, a near revolt to the point like, you know, uh, uh, going overboard with, you know, season ticket you know, people, uh, you know, calling to cancel and they're not selling insomnia cookies and they're not doing all this. And the Santa sack thing is gone. And like, that's it when it seems like the flyers actually do something and when they actually care and, uh, listen, of course, I don't expect a president to be hired in the next week or anything like that, or that it should have happened already. But I think that in terms of what Dan was saying about this is a crucial off season. I think we do need to see a president hired. I think we need that president to have 100% power and control to hire the GM that he or she wants and to instill the type of front office that he or she wants and go on from there. You know, whatever role the advisors are going to play, whether people want them around or not, you know, whatever the case may be, teach their own. But I still want to see more changes. And I think that it just feels 
like, well, they've won a couple of games and, uh, well, everything's great in Flyerland again. So uh, we don't have to do anything. And, uh, you know, these suckers are going to be coming back next year for their stupid cookies and their stupid pizza and fucking, you know, I, I just forgot. Milkshakes and Billy Leno's clothing line. Billy Leno's fucking newsy fucking hats and shit that <laughs> invests to me. You know, you want to buy a, an outfit to make you look like a Russian house DJ? Go right ahead. Go to Billy Leno's fucking shop and uh, go buy some clothes. You know, that's the thing. Unless this organization has their feet held to the fire, that's when change happens. And it's almost like the pressure is just like, well, it's off. And maybe it's just because it's coming towards the end of the season. But I really do still want to see changes made, a president hired, and a president with power that can actually do some things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's one of the issues that, you know, we had briefly touched upon the other week when Fletcher was fired. And a big thing, and I know Anthony um, and Dan have talked about this at length as well, but, you know, when you're building a front office, it just doesn't make any sense to have your GM and your head coach already in place. And you want to have a president, potentially a vice president here, who knows what else you want in that in that executive roundtable there. Um, but to have all these other people in their roles, it just is so incongruent. It just, it just doesn't feel like they're actually building it the correct way. Not to say that Briere and Tortorella are, are bad at their jobs or can't execute properly. It just is just out of sorts, you know, and if they're going to do this great reset, then do the great reset the right way. You know, don't say, okay, we're going to interview all these candidates for president, but if you're not okay with Briere and Tortorella, then you're not going to get the job. You know, like that seems like where this is going. What do you guys think? The Briere, I get it. He was a fan favorite, but this guy is just not fucking qualified to be GM right now. He's not. This is the least sexy fucking hire you could probably make at this point in time. And, you know, I would assume if I was a betting man, he's going to be the GM full time. Which, which just, man, that fucking kills the whole thing. Then you have to find a president who's going to willingly inherit Briere and Tortorella. <laughs> why, uh, why not go out of your way to find a proven GM and a proven president and find advisors that know what the fuck they're doing that are less than 100 years old? Uh, this is your chance to truly overhaul this front office. And I've been on this fucking bandwagon since Fletcher got fired. Like... This is the chance. This is the chance to find... I don't give a shit if they're former players or not. I don't fucking care. I don't care if they played... It doesn't fucking matter. That should not be a qualification when looking for general manager roles. May as well just bring fucking Jay Rosehill back or something while we're at it. Let him be the GM. If that's all it fucking takes, you know, find people that are qualified. Yeah, I wrote a piece earlier in the week. Like, I want Dubis and I want Ray Shiro. That's it. That is my yes. GM president duo right there. That is it. Keep Breer and Flair in the background if you want. They can hold roles. Maybe Breer takes over one day. But just now is not the fucking time to take a gamble on Breer. Now is not the time to fucking roll with this team and just bring in fucking Chris Pronger as president just for funsies. You know, you need to fucking bring in people that know what the fuck they're doing that can put a goddamn direction for this franchise. I, I just, I hate that they're going to look to gift horse in the mouth on this one. Uh, you know, Dave Scott's going to put some stupid asshole in place as team president and yeet himself out here and Hilferty takes over. Fuck! That's, it's just, 
I want, I want change, and it's going to start with the front office, and that change is not in the form of Danny Breer. I know people like him. I don't give a shit what he did in the playoffs 25 years ago. <laughs> Long fucking time, man. I, I just give me something that builds a strong foundation. If you're going to shit on fucking Bedard and me wanting a young player to build the franchise off, at least let me have a front office we can build the franchise off. That's all I want. That is all I want, and it feels like they're not going to do that. So you fired Fletcher and then completely missed on any opportunity to capitalize on firing fucking Fletcher. You may as well just get that guy here. <sighs> yeah, it's highly frustrating. I agree with you, Dan. It's like, now's the time. You know, Make the great reset happen. Allow it to happen properly. But you know this team doesn't like to do that. They, of course not. They will pick and choose. They will try to knife in and say, okay, in this one area, we're going to insert something, but we like everything else. So it's going to stay the same. It's like, no, like, like you can't do that. Cause that's kind of the mentality that got them into this mess over the years in the first place. You know? Yep. A uh, question for you guys. So Dan, you said that you believe that Danny Breer is going to be the GM. Yes. And get the interim tag removed. I know that Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick said as much on 32 Thoughts as well. They said that that's what they think is going to happen. I'm not so sure. I'm not as sure anyways. Um, And I only say that because, listen, I quote them all the time and I love their show, 32 Thoughts. They've been wrong about the Flyers for the last like six months. Like, they've been really off. Anthony DeMarco was all over this Fletcher thing, and he called this from the beginning. And he said that this was happening the morning of, hours before Jeff Merrick tweeted it out. I would believe what Anthony DeMarco and the fourth period are writing about this. I'm not so convinced. I, I, there's something inside of me that says that whoever it is that they hire as president, they, it, if it's supposed to be done the right way, the president has to be in charge. And it's not you're in charge, but you have to have Danny Breer as GM. That's not in charge. You're in charge. That means you decide who the general manager is and you pick whoever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. That's what being in charge means. And that's what having a real president of hockey ops means. I am not interested in having a puppet in there. That's just going to fit the mold of what the hierarchy looks like. Now. I don't want that. I'm not saying Danny can't be in the front office. He can. There's a better role for him in the front office than GM right now. It, I I I think he'd be a great assistant general manager. Sure. Mm-hmm. And have him in charge of Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Give him the yeah. reins. He's in charge fully of the AHL prospects and development. He was and there you know over the weekend too. And That's you know weekend. what? And he lo- and he loves Brent Flair. So Brent Flair could be the draft guy and he could be the Lehigh guy. Mm-hmm. And together they can work that portfolio together. But I just I want I think Dave Scott is going to be gone at some point here in the next few months. I I feel it. I think that that time is coming. But you hire a president. I'm sorry, you can't hire somebody and say you're in charge 
but you got to keep this guy and this guy and this guy in their position. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you can't do that. If you are serious about an organizational reset, as uh, the Great Reset, as as Mike alluded to, that's gonna that's gonna ruffle some feathers in fucking Flyers Twitter there. Um, if you are gonna do a reset, then it can't be with asterisks. It's got to be you've got power, you've got the control. It's your show. You're the cowboy. You fucking figure it out. It's your show. Do it. Mm-hmm. And you're not wrong. I mean, like I said, Breer is not would not be my pick either. But it just feels like something that's been written in the stars for at least the last year, if not longer, that this was always going to be the fucking guy to come in and, and replace him. It's like when they fucking hired Mike Yao out with, you know, AV. It's like you always knew Mike Yao was going to be the next coach you know, after this guy met his maker. It feels the same thing with Breer. It's like in a perfect world, he's not GM because he's not ready and it doesn't make any fucking sense as you alluded to to hire a president who has to then take on Briere. But at the same time, I don't know. It just feels like this is this is this was always the kind of destiny that this is going to follow out to be, whether it's the right move or not. And I would be I would be happy but dumbfounded if Briere ends up not being the GM, you know, in, within the next six months or so after the off season. Yeah. And I think even if a president actually comes in and, you know, accepts Briere as the general manager, the optics of it just look bad. You know, like you're the new, you're the new sheriff in town, but you know, you have no control over the jail for the first, you know, little while that you're there, you know, so to speak, it's just, it just looks bad. If you're the new president, it's like, well, is this guy really, uh, actually calling the shots here? You know, if he's going to be if the GM's going to be forced upon him and he's just going to take it, then what kind of GM is it? Even if Briere is ultimately the call there, it just doesn't sit well from an optics perspective. And, you know, um, I think Charlie had actually a pretty um, interesting article on this recently, and we had discussed this at length a couple of weeks ago on this in terms of Briere's lack of experience. And um, Charlie essentially had taken a look at um, all the current general managers in the league and assessed their level of experience, you know, before they got the title of GM currently. And um, essentially the findings were that while there were a number of general managers that didn't have general manager experience, those individuals experiences in front offices were quite robust whether that was an assistant general manager or a director of something for a yeah. period of time, yeah. uh, there is a robust level of many years in a leadership decision-making type of role. And the problem with Briere is that he would absolutely rank at the lowest level when it comes to comparing him to his peers in, in terms of general managers when it relates to that level of experience and decision-making power in a front office NHL team. And I think that's the, that's the thing that, you know, we've been driving at for a long time here. And Charlie kind of put that into a little more context, looking at some comparisons here, but that's the biggest problem here is that, you know, he's been, you know, a sponge absorbing information and watching a a fairly shitty front office with the flyers (laughs) absorbing whatever Chuck Fletcher is putting out. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Which was, you know, you know, he had no decision making power at all at any level aside from the ECHL, which is multiple levels lower than the NHL. You know, they're not, you know, I don't think ECHL managers are on the phone with each other talking about hot trades and cap management and negotiating with agents. And there's just so many things involved here that he just doesn't have the requisite experience yet 
particularly in a situation as complex as the Flyers right now. This is not, you know, uh, you're not a bit just of a tumultuous time on... here uh, to throw yeah. in somebody like Briere. And I, was, I didn't, I didn't read Charlie's piece, but I, I did a little bit. You know, one uh, wrote a piece a few weeks ago. Where I looked at it because people were saying, "Oh, he's Steve Eiserman. Oh, he's Joe Sackick. He's this and that. He's Bill Garrett." And you look at all of those guys, and like they all had fucking significant front office experience before being named GM. Like fucking everybody does. Everybody, even this fucking Eric Tolsky guy that people keep bringing up. He's been in the Carolina Browns for eight years. <laughs> He's been their assistant GM for like three or four now. Like, fuck. Like, these people, all everybody else has more experience than Briere. And like, maybe he'll do good. Maybe he'll be fine. But fuck, you cannot throw this guy into the deep end given the situation the Flyers are in. If this team was on autopilot, and I used the example of uh, Tampa on the Anthony mm-hmm. show last week. Yep. If you were go. Julian Brisebois, for example, when you took over for Steve Eiserman, and all you had to do was not fuck anything up and that team's going to sort itself out, there you go. That would be a spot for Briere right now. Putting him in when they're at their fucking lowest and he's got to lead them up to that point, I don't exactly have a lot of confidence in that. Sorry, not sorry. And, and you know, I would assume he's interim through the summer. The president gets hired eventually and gives Breer that test run before they remove the interim tag, right? And if he makes it, if the summer isn't a complete goddamn disaster, then maybe they give it to him. If not, not. But, you know, he, he should remain interim for, for quite a while here until whoever they hire as president gets hired and making their decision on him. But, yeah, Breer, you can keep him in the front office. You can keep him in the background. Let him go you know, watch prospects. And he hangs around in Lehigh quite a bit these days. You may as well put him in charge down there. You know, let him do that and, and let him figure this shit out. Let him learn at his own time. I just don't think now. Now is the time to take a fucking risk on somebody like Briere, who all he fucking knows over the last year is watching this front office and watch Chuck Fletcher be shit. What if he comes in and he's just Chuck Fletcher light? Then what? We're going to piss away another five years waiting for this guy to figure his shit out? No, thank you. You know, so it, it really is going to be, I, I hope, I hope. More than uh, fuck this roster. They're not, they're not gonna make changes, they're not gonna make tra- whatever. Run it back totally fine, but please overhaul this front office. Please. Please even if you keep the fucking decrepit fucking senior citizen mummies you got hanging around in there. Don't give a shit. Just fucking put a president and GM that know what they're doing, that have a track record, and that can fucking steer this shit properly. That is all I fucking ask right now. Please don't fuck this up, Flyers. Fucking Dave Scott, goddamn retired. Fucking, I'm gonna. I'm, he's gonna make the decisions and then fucking quit. Wh- why are we letting him make the decisions if he's just gonna fucking quit afterwards? Holy shit, that seems fucked too. We can let Hillfrey to make the call. Where's what Val Camillo doing? We sung her praises before. Get her in here and let her run this fucking franchise. Why is he still the one making decisions over this organization? Who has power of attorney over Dave Scott? What <laughs> happens if he becomes a vegetable and he can't make any freaking decisions? Who is there to step in and make those decisions? It's probably fucking Breer. It's fucking Bill Barber. You guys got all the power. <laughs> and the thing with Breer too that I think is is rather sloppy right now is you know we're we're at the end of the season now and in theory, a front office should be doing a lot of planning as to what they're going to be doing in the offseason. So if they don't even have a front office in place yet, how much planning can Briere do? Really? Gotta, I mean, yeah, the front office that you may like, fire in the next three weeks and Briere's hanging yeah, around like, doing whatever. Eh. In theory, they should be going through, and I, you know, from what I've heard, Breer has been going through the roster and figuring out, you know, which players they want to keep, what they don't want to keep, talking with Tortorella figuring out that dynamic to all of this. Uh, and then 
I guess the players you don't want, you want to figure out how you can get rid of them, who are potential suitors. I mean, that's a ton of work. It's a ton of planning. It's weeks and months worth of planning. And if he's doing all this now, and then you're going to hire, you know, another president to come in that either puts him in a different role or he's not with them anymore in some capacity. <laughs> yeah, like changes role and it's what, fucking now you start this? all over again. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Like all the assessments need to happen all over again. So it's, it's just it's very sloppy. You know, I, I think that liquidating the front office was the right move, but you got to know kind of what you're going to do immediately afterwards. Like you can't just strip it down and then just wait a couple of months and figure it out on the fly right before the draft. It's too late at that point. Yep. You got to get all your ducks in a row right now before the season's over. And on that cheery note, everyone, we'll uh, wrap up the first hour here. And, uh, yeah, this is going up, what, Sunday? So Shane's back on Monday. Uh, going to try and get somebody back next week. It was quite a week this week. Didn't have anybody on. Didn't have anybody on. So we'll get, on, get, the, get the shows back up to normal. Promise. At Dan the Flyer fan, at by the way, pocket by the way, underscore pod. Plenty of shit up on the website. I don't even know how many fucking pieces I wrote this week. Seven, I think. Check all that out. And uh, Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at flyer underscore AF. Manny. At Manny Benavidez, and as always, brotherlypuck.com. And I was going to end with something, you know, funny and stupid and moronic to say, but on a serious <laughs> note, uh, lots of love to Noah, uh, you know, brotherly puck and brotherly pods own Noah lost his dad. And, uh, we're all thinking of you, buddy, all the best to you and your family condolences. Um, hit us up if you need anything, Noah, we love you, buddy. And on that note, everyone until next time, goodbye and good night. <laughs>